Monica Singer spent almost two decades at Straight, the company that digitalized and automated the settlement of securities traded on South Africa's capital markets. She left Straight in 2017 to fulfill her dream of living in Cape Town, away from the bustle of Joburg, and announced plans to continue her career in developing solutions around the blockchain. Well, she made good on her move to Cape Town and is now involved in business development with blockchain solutions company Consensus, which happens to be the largest blockchain company in the world. Hi, Monica. It's good to catch up with you in Cape Town. You're developing solutions in a number of different areas, and one of them that caught my eye was in asset management. Can you explain the problem that you set out to solve in asset management and how blockchain is able to solve this? How is that a game changer? Okay. So, as you know, asset issuance today is very slow and complex, and it has so many intermediaries. Everybody charges, because when we build the financial markets, we didn't know that there was any other way to do this. That's why you need an, an asset manager, you need a stockbroker, you need you need a trustee, uh, you need uh, CSDs, you need the central bank, the banks, everybody, and their mothers have to contribute to getting these transactions settled and issued and traded, etc. So here comes the, uh, the massive game changer, which was in 2008 with the financial crisis. Someone that we don't know who that person is issues a paper and calls it the white paper creating Bitcoin. If you read that paper, which I really recommend everybody to read it, it talks about that in financial markets, you shouldn't be centralizing the data, you should be decentralizing it. And then you should use the internet in a very specific way so that this new ledger becomes, every time you do the general entries, the entries are immutable. Immutable means you cannot delete them, change them, or modify them. And therefore, imagine that for the first time, the, the, the whole concept of double journal entries also gets uh, changed uh, to create an ability to, we call it triple journal entries, which is the ability to create your financial statements in a real-time basis. And therefore, for the first time, the investors, peer-to-peer, can trade with each other, buyer and seller, or the issuer can go directly to the investors to issue an instrument and allow them to buy and sell. The recording happens in this immutable, transparent ledger that nobody can modify and nobody can cheat. So imagine that what you now bring into the financial markets is real time in the internet, so accessible just from a simple phone, no working hours, 24 seven, 365, no intermediaries, so the cost reduce, massive amount of uh, increase in liquidity because you now, you're not stuck in a wall garden stock exchange. You are now able to offer this uh, instruments totally uh, to anybody in the world that, um, that uses this uh, platform. And that's why we at Consensus built what is called Codified. Codified is really the tools that you need to use the Internet of Value, Ethereum. I don't know if you know, but Ethereum is, is a magical platform that has been developed by hundreds of thousands of developers around the world. It's an open source, and we believe, and that's where all the transactions are really mainly happening because all these um, tokens, all these digital representations of assets are now being traded real time, as I said, without intermediaries, with the transparency, blah, blah. But the most incredible thing that is happening is that anybody can go into the internet and create instruments. So yes, some of these instruments are a little bit like, you know, questionable. And that's why I keep on saying that the, the future, it's going to be for those 
parties that have got uh, the regulation behind them, and they can use this new technology, but apply the same level of regulations that they are applying in the traditional legacy markets, they are applying now using this digital technology that is much more uh, efficient. And actually, the risk management of this um, uh, tools are going to, it's much easier to do because I don't know if you are aware of what the concept is of a smart contract, but what this technology um, in 2014, uh, when Ethereum was created, uh, the creators of Ethereum brought about this concept of a smart contract, which is really an ability to put into the technology a program that says, if this happens, therefore that happens. If this happens, therefore that happens. That imagine that if you have an insurance company issuing an insurance policy, you are not going to need brokers and, and all these other intermediaries because the moment you enter into an insurance contract, it says, if I died, I, these people get paid. You don't have to argue. You don't have to phone anybody. Everything would be totally digital, electronic, real time. And the most incredible thing for me is the fact that all these tokens of digital representations of real assets will start to become interchangeable with each other. So uh, you can envisage that one day you're going to sit on your bed without phoning anybody at three o'clock in the morning that you're bored and you can't sleep and you're going to op open your portfolio of digital tokens and you're going to have in your portfolio not only securities of any market that you can imagine, but you're going to have fractional ownership of art, fractional ownership of property, fractional ownership of collectibles, of jewelry, of cars, of anything. So all the assets get tokenized. And because they are tokenized and they're now a digital representation, you can sell a fraction of these um, assets without having to rely on um, these assets to be listed specifically on one stock exchange. You know, all these new uh, tokens are now being traded in many, many, many exchanges. And that's why one of the things that are happening in the market is that there's a massive arbitrage uh, taking place between one token and another, depending on which market you're trading. Right. But do, can you see the incredible inter, uh, interconnection of all these tokens between each other and, and the ability to transform these tokens into to do whatever you want? I'll give you an example. I don't know how, how much you know about um, collateralization, but to collateralize an asset is quite a complicated legal process of many lawyers, many MS Word documents that you have to sign, blah, blah, blah. What's happening today in the DeFi world is that you are able to take any of these tokens and use them real time to, to collateralize a, a loan that you want to just um, take out, let's say for an hour, for a day. And because there's no, no so many costs and friction in doing transactions that in the legacy market is a nightmare, you can do transactions that are microtransactions. So therefore, that will enable transactions that were never possible in the past in financial markets. They're going to be enabled in a in a in a manner that that you, the most for me fascinating is when I buy crypto. That experience of doing this at three o'clock in the morning without having to phone a broker, real and that real time, I get my money back, or I can transfer, or I can trade, or I can decide what to do. 
that is uh, after running straight for 20 years and knowing how complicated. So I want to talk about the future of exchanges because you come from that background. I mean, you've talked about fractional ownership of shares. That's a big problem. And you can't really buy Apple when it's trading at $1,500 or $1,300. But now you can actually buy a portion of that. You also mentioned fractional ownership of real estate. All of these things are being made possible by tokenization. Okay, so for, to explain what tokenization is, that's basically it is a digital representation of an asset. It allows for infinite divisibility. You can you know, own a, 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 a microgram of gold, basically, is, is what you can do with tokenization, right? My question to you is this. One of the big problems facing anyone trying to raise capital on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange or any other capital market is the length of time it takes. And as you've also already mentioned, the number of intermediaries involved there. But you've come up with a solution that you mentioned called uh, Consensus Codifying. Now, just explain how that's going to change the, this whole world, this whole universe of capital raising in the future. Just to give you an example, it's the difference between the t- typing a document in a typewriter and typing a document in a PC, okay? You, you can understand your when you compare those two things, you're, I'm sure your head goes, oh my God, I can't believe it. And that's exactly what we have done. We have created all the tools that are required, uh, tools. For example, if you're going to have, as I said to you, an app that has got all these tokens, you need what we call a wallet. So we have what is called MetaMask, which is a wallet that enables you to have not only cryptocurrency, but crypto anything and any tokenized asset that in future you're going to want to buy and sell from anywhere in the world. Remember the internet. This is Ethereum. Ethereum is the internet of value. The only thing that Ethereum required was certain tools to operate, and that's what Consensus has done. In the last five years of operation, we have built all the platforms. So I'll give you an example that blew me away. I nearly, that's why I became so passionate about this. When we did a project with a South African Reserve Bank called Project Coca, Project Coca wanted to prove whether or not we could um, replace the real-time growth settlement system that happens every night which is the interbank settlement that is done through a technology called SAMOS, controlled by the South African Reserve Bank, and that is done overnight. And that's why if you, if I pay you and you are with Standard Bank and I'm with, let's say, APSA, the transaction doesn't reflect real time because it has to go through the interbank payment system overnight. So we did a proof of concept to prove that if you replace the RTGS system, this technology that is antiquated, and you put it in the blockchain, you can do it real time, real time, in less than two hours, and um, it's very fast, very efficient, and it's very transparent, it's secure, et cetera, et cetera. So that in itself, that project that you think, oh, my God, the RTGS system took, I think, at least three years to build, we did a POC in three months. So I'm not a techie, I'm a, I'm a chartered accountant. So I went to the techie team and I said, guys, please explain how did you do that. Because when I was running straight, every time we did an upgrade, it would take two to three years to do an upgrade in the technology. You just did a massive technology implementation in three months. And they said, you know why? Because we're not touching the technology stack. We're not touching Ethereum. We're not touching any of the tools that are built on top of Ethereum to make it function. We just build an app, and in three months, you can have the functionality so that the client can start playing with it on an agile basis. And as the client plays with it, you improve it, you know, and in nine months, you have a 
fully functioned platform that is open source, that it can move around and it can interface and interact uh, and interoperate with any other um, uh, market. And um, any, you know, if it's built with certain standards, it will interoperate in the Ethereum platform. And that's why when the internet was created, it was created using intranets. I don't know if you remember, but it was everybody was scared of the internet. Nobody was, you know, sending emails in the internet. So everybody created intranets. As the fear, and we evolved consciously as to what can be done, we were able to start using the internet. This okay. technology is, is still at the very nascent, very beginning, baby steps where yeah. the technology of the internet was in 1994, 95. So a lot of people are still creating this concept of having a private permission ecosystem. However, if you build it with us, for example, we have this technology that we bought from JP Morgan called Quorum. Quorum is the enterprise version of Ethereum, an enterprise version that means that clients are not very comfortable to put their apps in the internet of value. They want their own little intranet, and Quorum is ideal for this, and that's why it integrates very nicely with the, what we call the mainnet. Mainnet is the internet of value, and the beauty is that if you start with the private permission to lift the veil into the bigger internet of value, it's done without any massive changes because you started with the right standards, the right technology, the right tools. So do you understand that we are building for the future and taking clients with us in baby steps? Last year, we had French asset management uh, company, Meta Capital. They, they made history when they tokenized about 350 million euros worth of real estate assets. And you were involved in this. I, it kind of brings up to mind what Steve Jobs said about, you know, when he was developing the iPhone. He says, people don't know what they want until I show them. And I think this is true of the financial markets as well, because we've talked about digitizing or, or fractional ownership of shares and fractional ownership of properties. Things that people didn't even think were possible a few years ago. Now, explain what tokenizing real estate assets means and why this meta capital thing is such a big deal. And this is a milestone. It is massive. First of all, absolutely agree with you. I always tell clients, I can speak and tell you the story until I'm blue in my face. But until I give you the tool for you to play with, you won't get it because this is something that you need to experience it. It's like when you got your first iPhone and you started playing with the apps. This, you need to experience it. It's so beautiful. Number one. Number two, Mata Capital, it changed the paradigm. Why? Because just remember, one of our key drivers in terms of my, my personal passion, actually, is to bring um, financial services to all these people that we left out. You know, there's 1.7 billion people in the world that have no access to any type of financial um, services. And as we know, the, you know, there's a, a philosopher um, from Peru, uh, Soto, who talks about that the only way to create wealth is to have the ability to earn, to own a fixed asset. So we know that property is something that creates wealth. So now, the barrier to entry for property is huge. But what if I tell you that you can now buy a fraction of a property and therefore you can slowly, instead of saying, I'm going to buy a property and I have a mortgage and I pay the mortgage, but you are really not the true owner until the whole mortgage is uh, transferred. Here it's different. Here you are the owner of the fractional token that you bought. Because uh, in the same that you have the concept of 
unit trust. What is a unit trust? Someone goes and buys a portfolio of shares and sells you a unit of the portfolio, no? So you are the true owner of that unit, no? The same here. Someone goes and takes property. In this case, this person, very wealthy person, owner of real estate in France, decided that he wanted to create liquidity for this illiquid asset, and he tokenized the property. And then uh, over and above, the people that are buying this token are getting the benefit of the capital appreciation of this asset from day one, and they can buy little fractions. But the other thing you must not forget, which I haven't mentioned, is the concept of programmable money, programmable tokens, because that's part of the you know smart contracts, which is, imagine, you now are property-owning company. You have a massive nightmare in terms of admin for the leases, for the rates, the levies. Imagine if all of that admin is done through a programmable a ledger that says, remember, I told you smart contract is if this happens, that happens. So what is the levy? On the first of the month, I pay my levies. On the first of the month, I pay my rates. On the 31st of the month, I get paid the rent. That can all be programmed hmm. so that it will happen. There's no debate, no argument. I don't have to fund the lessee. The, the contract gets embedded in the internet of value and the transaction will take place. Is that programmable money? That's basically that you're able to schedule your payment or is there more to it? Much more to it because imagine that I also want to tell you, you can use that program to do whatever, to to create loans, to issue insurance policies, to the limits to your imagination. And you know where we're going, we are seeing this today? Anybody that is looking at what's happening in in the decentralized finance world, I fall in love with what these people are inventing. I can't believe what they're creating. That in in seconds, they can program and they can issue any type of instrument and convert it. That's why it's called the money Lego. Why Lego? Because you take an instrument like a real estate tokenized uh, asset and you can actually use it as collateral or you can use it as, you can go and buy an insurance policy because now you know that you've got the proof that you have the token of a real estate. So someone's going to give you, in a transparent manner, an insurance policy for that asset. Can you understand the transparency? And this is all permissionless. You don't have to phone up an intermediary. If you are technology savvy or financial market savvy, you can start doing this yourself. So that's where the traditional financial market providers today, if they could get out of the fear that change is happening and and embrace this technology, they should be providing this technology to those that will refuse to want to learn to use it. Right. I I do think that there's a place for for intermediaries. I mean, this idea that intermediaries will disappear, I I think that's that's a little bit premature because people, they find this a very complicated universe to navigate around. So I think they're going to need some hand-holding. What is a flash loan? As I said, in the DeFi world, you can actually... It's like when uh, you buy shares and you don't have them, you know, you quickly say, I want to borrow the shares, okay, so that I can settle this transaction. And it's a flash loan because if you don't get hold of those shares, the transaction doesn't settle and therefore you don't have the transaction. A lot of talk about decentralized finance or DeFi, and that involves a shift from traditional centralized financial systems to this type of peer-to-peer financial universe that you've been describing. And that's using technologies built on the Ethereum blockchain. 
All right, so the, the breakthrough of DeFi is that crypto assets can now be put to use in ways that were not possible with fiat or real-world assets. So you've got decentralized exchanges, you've got synthetic assets, you've just explained what a flash loan is, and these are completely new types of ways of looking at old-world financial assets, right? And I think the paradigm mm -hmm. shift here is that the, the financial infrastructure presents a number of advantages with regard to risk and trust and opportunity. What do you see happening very near term? I mean, I'm not talking 10 years from now. I'm talking about within the next 12 to, to 24 months. What sort of products are we going to be seeing in the market? I can assure you that many of the traditional market players have realized that they now need to move from the typewriter to the PC. So what we're going to be seeing is many of the traditional financial instruments being converted into tokens. So for example, I don't know if you know this uh, project we did with Euronext, we created what is liquid shares. So what happens is that Euronext uh, knows that the post trade is very slow and clunky, full of intermediaries and costly, so they uh, they are using their front end and their order um, uh, management system and the price discovery that works very well, but they they replace the back office to a real-time back, back office where they issue the trading, the clearing, the settlement. It's real-time, and therefore it speeds up the liquidity, and they are offering that for a secondary market in the, in the uh, private sector a private non-listed shares, okay? Mm. So so that's what we see more and more, as I, as I said, traditional uh, providers of services embracing this technology to reduce the cost, increase liquidity, and, uh, of course, attract more clients. What's going to happen to the JSE and stock exchanges generally? I predicted, and you can go and look at any stock exchange in the world. I predicted that before I left. I said it five years ago, I said slowly but surely, the number of listed companies in traditional stock exchanges will dry. Why? Because as soon as I worked out that the internet of value will eliminate the world gardens and will create the ability to achieve a speed of liquidity much faster than traditional stock exchanges, uh, whereby you didn't need so many intermediaries, blah, blah, blah. I just explained how it works that the money will follow where the least pain points are. And therefore, there's new ways of raising finance. And that's why a traditional exchanges should be embracing this new technology using the regulatory framework that they are so used to it. Because the one thing this technology hasn't yet got is the governance and regulatory framework. And the one thing that the traditional exchanges haven't got is the right technology so that's why i wanted to change straight and i wasn't allowed and that's why i thought you know what it's fine let me go and invent a blockchain world where people want to do it and that's what i'm doing and the most fascinating thing that is happening also is i'm sure you heard about central bank digital currencies we are working with central banks around the world to implement this central bank digital currency that is going to place or substitute or reduce the use of cash in the world and just imagine that every single person in the world will eventually have a wallet and imagine what it opens up for those people that now will all be the, the ability, the same that everybody now has a cell phone and knows how to use WhatsApp, they're going to learn how to use this digital currency and they're going to be able to change it between the central bank digital currency, the currency issued by Facebook, 
the currency issued by every single uh, company in the world will want to issue their own currencies. So we are redefining the, the meaning of money and who can issue this money and how it will behave. Just that, it will change everything. That's probably a discussion for another day is whether central banks having their own digital currency, they already have, of course, digital currencies in a, in a form. It's just not in the form that we're talking about here. But the, the, the great revolutionary change of Bitcoin was that it was a limited issue. Only 21 million coins are ever going to be issued. Now, central banks, of mm. course, have got no such discipline. And mm. the problem of inflation then is a consequence of that. But maybe, I guess you, you've thought about all of these things and you're raising it with the central banks. They want the, they want the ability to be able to issue currency as and how they see fit, right? Yeah. There's nothing wrong. That is their right in terms of monetary policy. But the issue is that the central bank digital currency at a retail level is a complete different animal to what you've got today. It's real time. It's a liability on the balance sheet of the reserve bank, not the commercial banks. As you saw in, this, in South Africa, when a bank goes under, the depositors suffer incredibly badly. We don't have deposit insurance, etc. Et so the truth be told that it's a different animal that will be created, and that idea will then educate the public to know how to use other tools. Remember what happened with the iPhone? It started imploding the ability for people to use the phone before they couldn't. Who would have thought in 1995 that one day you'll have an app called WhatsApp and you will be able to phone anybody for free around the world? That's Mm. what we build. We're building ideas that will implode in incredible innovation that will lead to something completely different to what we know today. Monica, last question. What yes. sector of the financial services is going to be first to embrace this? Is it insurance? It seems to lend itself to the blockchain. In other words, you take out an insurance policy and there are certain conditions on that insurance policy. Let's say it's house insurance. Uh, hailstorm breaks my roof. Well, that's very easily verifiable. That can be built into the blockchain program, right? So if there's a hailstorm, they can check it and they can pay the money instantly. Am I right? You are so right that I have to tell you, for me, when I started learning about blockchain, for me it was like that no-brainer use case. I have presented detailed use cases to insurance companies in South Africa. Nobody is doing anything. And I'm saying, guys, remember, this is the internet. In the future, people will be able to buy insurance from anywhere in the world. Why would they be stuck with an insurance company that you have to phone a broker and fight to get paid. You shouldn't be able to get paid the moment the event takes place and is programmable and not arguable. Do you understand? This is like a no-brainer. So that's why those uh, that don't embrace it will lose out. I'm sorry to say. Monica, we're going to leave it there. I want to get you back. I want to discuss money with you and the future of money. But that's a subject for another day, if you don't mind. But uh, fascinating discussion. I really learned something new there about what, what's happening in this, this world of, of blockchain. And clearly, you're going to have a very busy few years ahead of you, Monica. I really do. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's Monica Singer, who is uh, in charge of business development with the largest blockchain solutions company in the world. And that's called Consensus. Thank you, Monica.